podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menes, and it is the wrap of day four from the World Test Championship final. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. Paul, we'll get into the details of the day, but a, a day mired in controversy with a disputed catch by Cameron Green of Shubman Gill. G'day, Menes. Yes, a disappointing. Um, uh, you know, I, I know you love these sorts of controversial moments. I absolutely abhor them, and this has been... Um, one of the most disappointing things that's happened in Australia-India Test cricket for some time. It's sort of straight back to the bad old days of when the two um, the two nations couldn't seem to play sport against each other without so much rancour. And I think that um, it's been really disappointing, the, out, the, the outcry as a result of this catch. Yeah, so many disappointing elements to it. And as the match stands going into the final day, India need 280 runs to win with seven wickets in hand. King Coley not out, looking good, but... Getting back to that catch, Paul, so many disappointing elements to me, um, and none of which has anything to do with Cameron Green or the umpire's performance, and they all surround the reaction of the Indian team and the Indian fans. And Indian fans might not like, like this, but in the end, Shubman Gill shook his head out in the middle there and had a big sook and made it very clear for the whole world he thought it wasn't a catch, which can happen in the heat of the moment. I, I totally give players a little bit of leeway, you know, you're playing for your country, it's passionate. But then after play, he's gone on Twitter and got a screenshot of Green catching the ball and has put two magnifying glass and uh, the hand over his face emoji to further inflame the situation, to further inflame the Indian fans who were already uh, yelling from the sidelines that Cameron Green was a cheat at the Oval. I mean, this is a poor performance by Gill uh, and a poor performance by the Indian team. I agree that that's not something that Gill should have tweeted and he should face repercussions for it. Surely that comes under some level of um, uh, refusing to accept the umpire's decision or dissent. Um, it's going to be another interesting test case for the the power of the International Cricket Council versus the power of the BCCI. So um, I'll be very interested to see what happens there. One point I also want to make to begin with, the, the notion of the clean catch has been one that, you know how I love the laws and love the kind of... Uh, finer points of them this is one area i've never really liked because i've always found it frustrating but i reluctantly dived into the laws today and i'll tell you who's got reluctantly to reluctantly on this one because i like <laughs> I, I like um it, I, I like it to be clean cut and i knew that this was not going to be clean cut but i'll tell you who's got to take some acceptance for the blame on this is the bloody mcc the law is written appallingly i had expected that there'd be clause after clause i expected that you know 7.6.7.3 clause B, and I'd be sitting there trying to work out, and oh God, I'm, you know, I wish I'd done a law degree so I could understand this. Instead, it's like it got written in five minutes. It's the briefest bloody law you'd ever want to see. And it basically just says that um, it's a fair catch um, if it's caught before it touches the ground. It's yeah, fair enough. Um, and then it goes on to sort of say, um, and then as described in 33.2, if it's uh, caught before it touches the ground. And 33.2, catch, a catch will be fair if the ball is held in the hand or hands of a fielder, even if the hand holding the ball is touching the ground. Now, I understand. I was listening to our, our friends Lemon and, um, and Collins on their final word today, and I understand that the notion is that the, the, the prevailing acceptance of those conditions is that as long as you take the catch um, with the, without the ground helping you take the catch in any way, but if you take the catch with your ball, with your hand, 
um, holding the ball, brushing the ground, and that the grass incidentally touches the ball, but in no way helps you take the catch, then that is fine. And that is the that is the interpretation that exists um, and kind of has always existed, which makes sense. We'll put it in the laws. Um, you know, Indian fans, I, I have some sympathy for them. The You know, the fans who, without resorting to, you know, abuse of Cameron Green, who are simply showing a picture of the that, that, that picture, the same picture that Gil showed, where it appeared as though the ball is kind of um, potentially touching the grass at that point. There should be a clause in the law that someone could reply with and say, no, no, look, look at the replay in full and you will see that he was a clean catch and any part of the ball that might have touched the grass was with the same time as his hand touching the ground. That is okay. And if you want to rule those sorts of catches out, then it's going to change. You're not going to have any of these great catches anymore. Then um, I think that would make more sense. But the fact that they're written so loosely how are you in charge of the the, the, the game, Maryland Cricket Club? You've been in charge of the game forever. Um, do a better job. Yeah, it's a very good point. And, uh, like, I, with the fans, I mean, this is why I'm annoyed about Gil because he's a professional cricketer. So he knows that when you – the difference is, as you were saying, um, you know, the ball can touch the grass with your fingers under. The problem is where you scoop the ball off the grass, and that's when it's not a clean catch. So, um, you know – Gil should know that. I understand fans who may not have ever taken a slips catch or or, or know the intricacies of, of catching, but it, to me it's a clear dismissal. Um, the fact that this is um, blown up to, to where it is I think is is poor. And I will say, I think if Green had taken that catch for the Mumbai Indians in the IPL, they wouldn't be saying the same thing. So that that's my opinion. Well, I think that the thing about it that's so poor is, look, when I watched it on the – as the video, as the um, third umpire was scrutinising it, I was actually listening to the BBC at the same time, which was thirty seconds delayed relative to the TV. So I was doing my head in, but and I was watching on a dodgy hotel television, not in HD, um, at a poor angle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I looked at that and I thought, I think this is going to be given out, and I think I'm comfortable with that. And but I also thought, if it's given not out, then I can accept that as well. It is a very line ball situation, so I don't have any problem with the, the Indian fans who think that it should have been out according to the way that they read the laws. As I said, I think the laws, if they're going to, imp- if they're going to enforce a kind of an interpretation of the laws that is not absolutely implicitly plain within the laws, then rewrite the laws and make them better. So I've got no problems with the Indian fans who are saying, oh, I think that's, that's out. You know, I'd happily debate them, um, but I've got no problems with it. The, the problem I've got, um, I, as you say, the players who are in, inciting it further but especially the criticism of Green and the and the criticism of Kettlebrook. You know, you can say you disagree with Kettlebrook's decision, but to imply that he's somehow cheating is just insane. And the booing of Cameron Green by the crowd, that is very, very poor. And they, um, you know, I don't think they're true cricket fans, anyone who booed Cameron Green, especially Agreed. those who are kind of booing him as he's walking off the ground. Yep, 100% agree, and I hope we smash India on this fifth day now. But I, I tweeted out that I thought Shuman Gill should be banned for three tests from that um, uh, tweet that he put out after play, and former test cricketer Marcus North uh, retweeted it. And uh, it's just poor performance. It's a real test now to see how strong the ICC when standing up against the BCCI they are. And I would say overall the ICC have, have not done a good job with this test match for what should be a showpiece event. They've delivered a poor, dangerous pitch. The overrates have been slow. Now we've got the fourth day might in controversy. There's no, there's been no definitive action from them. And as usual, the I, ICC sometimes 
don't show the sort of leadership the cricket needs. Yeah, and I would reiterate as well that um, if that had been if that catch had been given not out, I would have thought, oh, that's a bit unlucky. But I've seen them that way. Um, you know, I, I I probably fall just over the line of thinking it could be out. I respect those who think it's not out. What I don't respect is, as I said, the, um, the cheating allegations. Yeah, and then the nastiness and the and, and the the inability to understand that sometimes in sport you're going to get a call that's a, a 55-45 call um, go against you that you might have thought was 55-45 the other way. It doesn't mean that the third umpire is a cheat. It doesn't mean that um, Cameron Green is a cheat. It doesn't mean that a player should then be empowered to tweet out after the game. What would Richard Kettlebury's family think of that? That, you know, um, the Sh- Shuman Gill has tweeted that out to, to massive, massive retweets. Kettlebury, who's regarded as possibly the best umpire of all time, or certainly right up there, who with the full knowledge of the laws and the playing conditions um, has made that decision. Um, and it's a 50, 50 call. That's another thing that as much as people were celebrating the removal of the soft signal, soft signal, it did have the impact of reducing this sort of problem that when there was the soft signal, this is what would have happened. The umpire on the field would have given that out. The third umpire would have said, I don't have conclusive reason to overturn it. And the Indian fans would have got angry at the soft signal <laughs> rather mm-hmm. than, Rather, you know, it, it took a little bit of that um, out of it. And I, the soft signal was not perfect at all. And I understand when boundary catches were caught and you've got an umpire guessing. And I understand it's also uh, kind of off what I normally say, where I'm saying just let's the, let the technology um, decide everything. But in the, in the instance of the soft signal in this sort of thing, this is why it was brought in to um, remove this sort of thing from occurring. Agree. Well, a very unedifying moment. And really, we should be talking about what an exciting prospect this fifth day looks like, because that innings from Coley heading up to stumps, 44 not out of 60 balls, has livened up the game when India looked to be falling out of it. And he, he looks in as good a form as I've seen him. So we should be talking about that and not, you know, Gil tweeting out that he's feeling upset that he, he got, got given out. Um but I guess to go back to the start of play, Paul, because, you know, an intriguing an intriguing morning, a few talking points out of the Australian camp for me. Manus Labashane was out early for 41. But then I thought after his dismissal, not enough intent was shown by Cameron Green with the bat. He ended up making 25 off 95. Um, he sort of slowed things down. Alex Carey was quite industrious. He ended up 66, not out. But I thought, I thought Australia lacked a little bit of direction in that first se- session. I thought they were poor in the first session, and I, I think that Green uh, on day uh, on the fourth day he scored eighteen off eighty seven, and I just think that that's ridiculous. That and I've criticised him before when he plays it that way in Test level. That um, not only is it not um, it's not a question of it not being entertaining. I'm not worried about that. I think it's pragmatically the wrong way for him to play. It's it's um, he would have scored more runs more likely if he had played more aggressively. I mean the. The shot that he got out on, not offering a shot, trying to sort of pat it away and then, you know, ricocheting back and hitting his stumps. I hope he looks at that and thinks, a player of my ability, I shouldn't be getting out playing that. You know, that that's that was that was disappointing. And I think that they would have had this feeling of, if we don't take it very, very cautiously this morning, we could get rolled up quite quickly and suddenly present India with a, it would still have been a difficult chase of, let's say, 350 but it would have been a, a, a somewhat achievable chase. And in, in, the, in a bid to avert that from happening, what they did was they failed to score quickly enough such that when they ultimately declared, um, they set India um, 444 off a nominal 137 overs at a run rate of 3.2. Now, 
with the slow over rates that have been occurring in this test match, they were never probably going to get all of those overs. But um, the 3.2, or if you add a little bit to it because of the slower over rates, is not a scoring rate that presents too many problems for modern day players. Um, the way that Stark and Carey were finding the pitch quite easy um, in their innings, somehow the pitch has flattened out a little bit, which is uh, remarkable given how difficult it was and completely against what my expectations had been, that they must have, um, you know, that, that, that surely the thought must have crossed their mind. If, if we declare now, uh, because we need all this time to get them out, in that last hour, we're not going to be th- saying, oh, thank God we've got this extra hour to bowl them out. We're going to be saying, oh, my God, they're going to win this. Um, mm. And as things stand, on the final day, India now need um, 280 off 90 overs at 3.1. Incidentally, if no over rate, if no overs had been lost at all, given the uh, 38 overs that we've lost in the test match, they would need um, 280 off 128 at 2.2, which, you know, is a, a completely separate story. But India are unlikely, but certainly possibly, going um, about this the, the, the way that they could actually get a win out of this. Yes, and some concerning stuff from the Australian camp for me, and people think I've got this anti-Cummins agenda, and it's certainly not an agenda. It's just sort of looking at the evidence before me. But Alex Carey said after play that there was no talk of a declaration from the Australian camp until Pat Cummins came out to the crease in the middle of that second session. And I just think that's ridiculous. I think you've got to be going out there on that fourth morning with a plan of how we're going to uh, further this game, how we're going to push for a result. There's a world championship on the line, and I hate to do this, but I just don't think Ben Stokes would have let a game drift like that. He'd have told his team, go out there and absolutely, you know, monster the ball, score 150 in that first session, and we'll we'll declare and let, leave ourselves a lot of time. And I think this sort of rudish, rudderless leadership is an issue going into the Ashes, and I just wonder the, how good this team would be with a good tactical skipper. I, I tend to agree with not not, not maybe the, the generalisation at the end, but I agree with most of the rest of what you said. I think um, it, it is strange that they they, they should have taken Green aside beforehand, before play and said, listen, the smartest way for you to play today is to uh, not play like it's a T20, but have have aggression in mind and play closer to T20 cricket than, than Test cricket. And I understand the whole idea of empowering players to play the, the way that they see fit. Um, but... I remember in Bradman's autobiography, there was one game, I think it was in 48, when um, the, the game was in the balance, maybe in a low chase, and uh, the, they were starting to get a bit defensive. And Bradman said, I, I sensed that now is the moment. I sent out the message to the players, attack! And they did, and they ended up winning the game. And I think that um, Cummins should have, uh, you know, made that point. The reason I'm saying I don't think about the how Australia would go with a, a tactically astute captain is that if, you, if the implication is that that's Smith, I don't think that he is any more tactically astute than Cummins. And I don't think that there have been all that many, especially tactically astute captains that Australia has had. I think Ian Chappell and Michael Clark um, have been the, the sort of two exceptions. I don't know if I'm, I'm not going to get into an argument about Smith's captaincy right at the moment. But uh, yes, look, the issue was that Green just went into his shell and he would have been much better off getting caught on the boundary or, you know, get bold, trying to hit it out of the park than that sort of meek dismissal. But positive for Australia, Alex Carey, fine test match, 48 in the first innings, 66 not out in the second innings. Uh, Mitchell Stark's 41 off 57 was uh, lent him good support. But, you know, really fine stuff from Alex Carey. I love seeing him do well for Australia. He is a great guy, like you know, there's, there's you know, people talk about his leadership abilities, but I've seen it up close. It's no hyperbole with him. He's a great team man, so I love seeing him do well, and he's had a very good test. Yeah, he batted really well, as did Mitchell Stark. And I've criticised Stark's selection in this match for his um, 
um, for his bowling. And I, I still maintain that Australia would have been better off picking Michael Nisa, but uh, that was certainly a very impressive innings in the second innings. And when he plays that way, um, yeah, he's a, he's a very valuable, almost an all-rounder. Yep. So Cummins was the last player out. He was out for five. Australia declared it eight for 270. I wouldn't have declared even then. I, I think even at that moment then, uh, I, I think it would have been worth sending Nathan Lyon out with the instructions of have a bit of a swipe. And even Boland, even if they could have swiped another, let's say, 25 runs off four overs, then that just puts the calculus even making it even more difficult for for India to win. And the whole notion of, oh, well, if they bat that way and, and score the runs, they deserve it. It's going to be pretty cold comfort if Australia, having dominated this game for, for so long, uh, end up losing it um, and look back and think maybe we didn't need to declare so early. Don't you think, though, setting India a target of 444 when the highest fourth innings run chase at the Oval is or 280 back in 1902. Is that Jessup's match that we talk about with Norcross? I mean, I think, you know, if you've got 400 plus, back yourself. Um, I'm not saying don't back yourself. My overarching thing was they should have scored more quickly earlier so that they could have declared with this amount of time left in the game and and with more more runs there. But no, I, I think you've got to be pragmatic. You don't look at um, history and, and all those other sorts of things. You've got to look at it and say, hey, Stark and Carey, um, we're making this pitch look pretty easy. India has a lineup full of, um, you know, very, very fine players. Crucially, it's not like it's a defensive move batting any longer because if we declare right now and we say, um, we're, we're, you know, that we're worried that they are going to bat the entire length of the time and, and save the game, if we need that extra time in the last hour, as I said, it's probably to stop them from winning the game. So I, I think you've got to be hard-nosed, pragmatic and say, don't give them an even break. It's not about being um, timid. It's about saying um, there's not much chance of us missing out on a win by batting a few extra overs here, but there is a chance of us um, ensuring that our chances of losing drops even further. That's what I would have said. Wow. Wow. No, not the conservative answer I expected. All right. So um... No, but you know, I mean, don't hand it to them. It's not handing it to them on a plate. But it'll be cold comfort at the end of it all to say, well, we had to be beaten by a record-breaking innings to, to have beaten us. Um, uh, we've, I've said before on the show that just over 400 being the sort of nominal top amount, a top amount that you can score to win a test match in the final innings is a record that is crying out to be broken. The highest fourth innings total in test cricket is 650 or something when England and um, South Africa had to have the game called off in 1939 because England had to catch the boat home. England were four wickets in hand, needing twenty runs or something like that. You know, had that not had that boat been due the next day, the highest runs chase in history would be six hundred and seventy, and we'd be all talking about it in a different way. Yes, and had the world not been on the verge of uh, the World War Two, <laughs> we might have. Um, all right, so um, best of the bowling for India, Ravindra Jadeja, three for fifty eight. So then India come out needing four hundred forty four for the victory and to win the World Test Championship. And they got off to a blazing start. They were none for 41 after seven overs, motoring along. Gill was 18 off 19 when the controversial moment happened that Green took the catch off Boland. So Boland got the break. Yeah, very good catch. Great catch. No doubt about it. That's what we should be talking about. Instead of there being controversy, it should be like, you know, that was an absolutely unbelievable catch. And as much as I criticised the way he batted, that's – that's potentially a match-winning catch. Hopefully it is. <laughs> it was terrific. 
And then a, a nice 50-run partnership between Pujara and Rohit Sharma, who played a lovely inning, Sharma, 43 off 60. He was dominating the attack and then played what I would call a pretty loose shot from line, swinging across the line, hit plum in front. He did refer it, but it was it was going on to hit the stumps. Line got the second wicket. But, yeah, I thought that was a pretty uh, casual dismissal from Sharma. Well, um, it's the first wicket for Lyon in the in the second innings, and I'm really hoping that this time tomorrow we can be recording a show where you can mock my prior to the match sort of calling into position, calling into question Nathan Lyon's position. Hopefully, he can take Pfeiffer and um, bowl Australia to victory, and I'll be very happy to acknowledge what a great performance that will be. Yeah, definitely. And, and then just going through the dismissals, the final dismissal, and an, another an uncharacteristic dismissal, and this is where I thought Australia might actually, after this dismissal, I thought Australia might actually go through India and have them in a perilous position at stumps, but that didn't happen. Pujara, who is a lovely orthodox test player, just decided to ramp Cummins, and all he did was just, feather it to Alex Carey off the face of the bat. And he was out for 27. At that stage, India were three for 93 and in real trouble. Yeah, I don't want to criticise the shot because I, looking at the county performances of Pajara, he has scored much more quickly than I can ever remember him doing so. And I think if he has taken the approach of a little bit more aggression is the right way to go, I think he's that's right. I think he was a bit too, um, I mean, I'm not going to say he was too slow. He, he won India the series in Australia the first time they ever won, and he played played brilliantly. But I think as he's getting towards the end of his career, um, a few more shots have been uh, have been called for. So it didn't look great, but I'm not going to criticise the the intent. And looking at the well, and then we had a lovely partnership between Coley and Rahane. So Coley's not out 44 off 60. Rahane 20 off 59 deliveries. They got the score from three for 93 up to three for 164. They did that in 20, just under 20 overs. So they scored pretty quickly and just a lovely passage of play hitting at the stumps. Coley looked in just such great form. Yes, and um, I was I was battling at this point. I was watching it. I don't know how much of it was coming into my head because um, it's been a long few nights. But um, uh, I think that the one thing I'll say is that this Test Championship, for, for most of it, has been highly watchable. And even if it, it was going to look like, uh, you know, at the point when uh, Pajara got out, if Australia then did run through India and win by um, a, a substantial margin, uh, you might look back on it in years to come and say, oh, this match was... Um, never that close but it's been pulsating for fair bits of it and even if it ended up being not not that close a result I still think it's been a worthy um a worthy climax to the to the test cycle but if India can take it deep tomorrow and look uh, I I hope they don't win but I didn't want England to win the Ashes in 2005 I was devastated when they beat us but looking back it was the best thing to have happened to kind of the Ashes rivalry Maybe if India win this, um, we'll all look back in years to come and say this was the best thing to happen to Test cricket. That the same way that when India won the '83 World Cup, they really took 50 over cricket more seriously than winning the '07 um, inaugural World um, T20 really propelled T20 along. Maybe winning this game, especially with this controversy that um, is very regrettable in my opinion, but certainly is it's getting everyone talking about it. My I said to my wife before the, the podcast, oh, I'm going to talk about this. And she said, oh, you're going to talk about that um, that catch, whether it carried or not. So, oh, God, you know, <laughs> um, everyone's, everyone's talking about it. And she said, yeah, I've seen the photo. I've seen the photo. It looks like it hit the ground. <laughs> oh, no. Then I then she realised she was just stirring me. Um, so, 
um, it might end up being the best thing that could happen to te- for Test cricket. And you know, um, so hopefully Australia win. But if they do lose, I will, I will use that as my um, as my consolation. Yeah, Twitter's getting pretty ugly. Um, I'll read one tweet out that's replied to me calling for a gill ban, praying for a career-ending injury to Green and you as well. Well, Snowflake, I have actually long since retired from cricket. So um, <laughs> anyway, it's um, I think I hope Australia wins before lunch on the fifth day. So, But it's beautifully set up. And if we do see a Coley masterclass on the fifth day, whether India win or not, if, if they just make a good shake of it, I think it will be quite a spectacle. Um just looking at the Aussie bowling, I mean, I thought Cummins, nine overs, one for 42. He wasn't his, I would say, usual kind of accurate self. He looks a bit undercooked um, for Test cricket. And Mitchell Stark, seven overs, none for 45. Uh, economy rate of 6.4. Just hasn't found any sort of rhythm yet. No, I think that our um, intended beginning tomorrow needs to be very, very accurate. I think that Boland should open up, potentially even with Green. Um, and then get Lyon on pretty quickly and um, keep it tight, not give away easy singles and um, really try to, to try to strangle them. Um, but I, 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 think I have great sympathy with um, how Richard Kettleborough must be feeling. How's he going to be if he gets another uh, contested catch, knowing that the, the scrutiny that he's under? And I, again, echo, circle back to what I said at the start. I really do think that the, the lawmakers should hang their heads in shame that the law is not protecting him more. That if it is going to the point where it's it's an interpretation that everyone kind of who's studied this in detail knows that that's the way it's going to be interpreted, but it's not actually been uh, written into the laws in that way. That's just opening things up for controversy. And, and people all around the world are going to look at that one photo and, and tee off on him. He does not deserve that. And they should say, right, we have to rewrite the laws such that this can never happen in this way again. Agree. Uh, you spot on with that. I mean, that's a very practical thing that needs to happen. And hopefully when the MCC Rules Committee gets together, it's usually every summer in England. Well, it should be today. It should be today. They should change it overnight for the fifth day. Like, don't don't wait till summer and get – and why is it full of ex-players? Get some actual bloody legal minds on there who know what they're talking about rather than ex-players. Get some – Get someone who's drafted the constitution of a country or someone and, uh, or something and get them in there to do a, a proper job and, uh, and and not make such a wishy-washy law. Indeed. All right, well, let's just wrap up our um, discussion around day four. As I said, India need 280 going into the fifth day. All set up for an incredible finish. And uh, just closing words I'd like to say to the Indian fans that may be a little irate listening to this, that... I love the passion that you that in all cricket fans show for the game, Indians especially, but I would caution you against calling players cheats and reacting to something that is clearly not blatant cheating. Whatever you can say about it, you know, if you disagree with the decision, that's one thing. But to, to accuse this Australian team of being cheats, one thing I will not criticise um, Pat Cummins for is his leadership off the field. He's turned this team around. They are... Uh, uh, it's a very likable team and uh, Cameron Green is exceptionally likable. So back off. That's all I'm saying. Well, every player in the world would have done what he did. Dive. Well, they wouldn't have because they wouldn't have caught it because they're not good as good as him. But if they had dived, taken the catch like that, it would have felt very clean. Um, and then you stand there and you take the scrutiny of the uh, of the third umpire. He has done nothing that any other player in the world would have done differently. He's done um, nothing wrong at all. 
And it is, yeah, very disappointing that um, the way that he is being treated and the way that Kettlebra is being treated. All right. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for listening to our podcast. Remember to rate and review the show. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you want to come to our live show in Sydney, the links are in the show notes. And we'll be back at the end of the fifth day to talk about the result in this World Test Championship final. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.